This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Reproductive rights activists are eyeing the resounding victory for abortion access in Kansas, where a week ago, nearly 60% of voters defeated a ban on the politicized medical procedure. Now, the Fairness Project is seeking to replicate such an approach using state-by-state ballot measures to restore the right that Supreme Court justices stripped away earlier this year. My guest is Kelly Hall, Executive Director of the Fairness Project. Welcome to the program, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me, Sonali. So uh, give us a, a brief overview of what happened in Kansas. How was it that, the, that, that an abortion ban was even put on the ballot? Well, I think that Kansas is a classic example of the large distance between where the voters and the electorate are and increasingly where their more extremist legislators are. This was a legislative plan that backfired on the extreme conservatives in the Kansas legislature. They thought their time had come to formally strip abortion rights out of the Kansas constitution. Those elected leaders voted to put that question in front of voters, and they were very sorely surprised, it seems, to see that what they viewed as the uh, political landscape within their own chambers was not actually reflected in the electorate, as we saw from last week's uh, resounding vote against the ballot measure. So what, uh, one of the things that came up was that polls leading up to this election didn't capture what ended up happening. Is that because this ballot measure actually brought in less than likely voters, if you will? Well, that analysis is ongoing, and I think this is going to be a really exciting thing for ballot measure nerds like myself and advocates around the country to analyze. But one of the things that is incredibly clear is that the turnout for a primary ballot, a primary election in an off year was astronomically higher this year because of this ballot initiative than it otherwise was predicted to be. Almost four times as many people voted uh, in this election as were predicted based on historical turnout models. So that really tells us not only how animated voters are on this issue, but also that it is gonna be hard to predict Um, how the issue of abortion plays into turnout in the midterm elections on future ballot measures. And as red state legislatures continue to make this a political plank of their movement, how voters respond in turn. There was some out was the big surprise. Right. The, and, and, and we've seen national polls showing uh, that the access to abortion remains popular. Uh, but of course, state by state, how that pans out is not clear, but there was some analysis done uh, by one major paper, I believe it was the Washington Post, that showed um, that if looked at, if the ballot measure that Kansas voters voted on nationally had been um, uh, voted on by the entire country, that four out of five states would have ended up backing the right to an abortion and defeating an abortion ban. So how does that lead to trying to extrapolate the success of Kansas to the rest of the country? Well, first I'll say I am absolutely enthusiastically over the moon about the result in Kansas. And I also think it's a little bit too simplistic to imagine that what is actually going to happen in what happened in Kansas could be 
mirror replicated in states around the country, and also the analysis that was done to sort of predict how voters would vote was based purely on their partisan affiliation and whether or not they voted for Democrats or Republicans in the last presidential election. And I, I think see. one of the things we should really take away from Kansas is that that campaign very successfully separated the issue they were asking voters to vote on from partisan identities. And that has been the success of many other progressive-leaning issue ballot measures in what are usually considered red states. When voters in red states have been asked to vote on Medicaid expansion or raising the minimum wage or ending predatory payday lending or things that are often associated with the Democratic Party or the progressive wing of the political spectrum, when those campaigns are successful, like Kansas was in saying, here's how you can think about this issue with your partisan hat taken off. Here's what it means for us. Here's what it means for us uniquely as a state. Voters vote yes on protecting reproductive rights, on expanding Medicaid, on raising the minimum wage. And so I would say to the folks who did the broader analysis of here's how Democrats or Republicans would vote is say, there is a lot of hope to be seen from Kansas, but it really hinges on us doing exactly the opposite of what that analysis assumed, which is we need to be looking at this through a nonpartisan lens, a, a bipartisan lens, and have odd bedfellows coalitions bringing together nonpartisan messages to voters if we want to put this stuff on the ballot. Where else um, is an abortion ban on the ballot? And is it just what you're seeing so far, just asking voters to vote on a ban or asking voters to affirm the right to an abortion? Because those are slightly different things. The yes vote versus no vote is different. Exactly. So in Kansas, they were voting on whether to strip a, a right to abortion away and sort of give the question back to the legislature, should we ban abortion in a future moment? The really exciting news is that there are three states this fall in November of 2022, where voters will be offered the opportunity to affirmatively protect abortion rights by voting, yes, there should be a constitutional right to abortion in our state. Two of those were placed on the ballot by legislatures in California and Vermont to affirm what has already been protected in statute in those states. The one that is the true battleground is in Michigan, where there is a 1931 law on the books that would criminalize the provision of abortion. There is a temporary injunction from the courts against that law going into effect, but we don't know how long that will last. And so advocates in Michigan have taken the approach of wanting to affirmatively put a right to reproductive freedom in their constitution. It's being led by phenomenal advocates on the ground who turned in a record number of signatures to qualify for that for the ballot in July. And that is something that voters can expect to see on their ballot in November in a state where this issue really could go either way if left to the hands of politicians. And it's why it's so important that citizens are taking the initiative themselves and establishing a constitutional right to a ballot initiative. Going to the other two states, California and Vermont, isn't it risky to put on the ballot a measure that's already, or a, a, a right that's already affirmed in the state constitution? I mean, we've seen in states like California, where I'm based, 
Proposition 8 around same-sex marriage, which was narrowly, you know, uh, voted down by uh, the, uh, the, the voters in the state. Uh, maybe it was because of misinformation or whatnot. But why risk it if a right is already enshrined in the state constitution or seen as enshrined? Why risk putting it on the ballot? Well, I think that that's a strategic question for the leadership of the Democratic Party and the legislature and Governor Newsom in California. This was a really concerted effort to reaffirm California as a safe haven where ballot where abortion access will not be infringed. I think reaffirm to whom, though? I mean, it just I still (laughs) the residents of the state know it. Yeah, I think the um, opportunity in Michigan is the one that is Mm. much more urgent, much more changes the state of play on the ground. Um, We are also, I think, really supportive of opportunities to understand how these need, how different approaches need to be taken in different places. And I think you'll see a big difference between the type of campaign that was run in Kansas to what will be run in Michigan to surely what will be run in in Vermont and California, which you rightly note are really different, not just political landscapes, but legal landscapes around abortion. And so to sort of extrapolate from one campaign to say, here's how it's going to look in all of the other places is not quite right. Every state on this issue, both politically and legally is unique. And the space that we're occupying as the Fairness Project, which is much more focused on citizen initiated ballot measures, where we support people coming together, advocates coming together and doing something that their legislative bodies otherwise will not do um, is the place where we're focusing most of our energy and where we think the big opportunity is moving forward, not just this November, but in states around the country where it's been made clear that there is this huge disconnect between the legislature, the governor, and what the electorate likely really wants. Right, because the state legislature and governor can play politics to you know, draw more people to the polls. Maybe they think that putting it on the ballot will encourage voters. So, so tell me more about the Fairness Project and how citizen-led uh, measures can be a way to restore this right that has been eroded. We're already seeing such horrific stories coming out of states where the procedure that we used to take for granted has been banned. You know, desperate uh, people who are having to travel hundreds of miles that they can't even afford to do in order to access a procedure in states. So, so uh, we're all, you know, progressives are often on the defensive. How can the ballot measure process, citizen-led ballot measure process, be used to go on the offensive to restore this right? Well, I love that question because that is absolutely the script flipping that we are hoping will happen. And it's happened on other issues that we've worked on. So the Fairness Project, we live and breathe citizen-initiated ballot measures. It's our theory of change. There's plenty of ways to make a difference in this world. But our view is too often the issues that matter most to working families and to people disenfranchised from our broader political system are stuck in recalcitrant polarized legislatures where the views of citizens on issues affecting wages, benefits, healthcare, fundamental reproductive rights and issues of economic mobility are not the priorities of corporate lobbyists and therefore are not the priorities of legislatures. And so the work that we do is to help local advocates, the state level and the municipal level, 
know how the, the ballot measure works, how they can wield it and, and support them both financially, but more with just thought partnership, co-piloting and expertise to make sure that when progressives put these issues on the ballot, they win. And the biggest flip scripting, nope, script flipping <laughs> example that we've had um, is on Medicaid expansion. You know, mm. a few years ago, it was Obamacare was viewed as deeply unpopular all over the country. Red state legislatures were saying over my dead body. We've now had six successful citizen initiated ballot measures in places from Idaho to Oklahoma to Missouri to Maine saying, no, thank you, Republican legislatures. We will take matters into our own hands and provide health care to our neighbors. And I think that is the opportunity that exists with reproductive rights as well, and any issue where there is this huge disconnect between what legislatures are doing and what the, what the public is demanding. And so I wish it were possible everywhere. There's only 22 states plus Washington, D.C. around the country that have a citizen-initiated ballot measure process. You're based in California, so am I. Um, our team is spread across the country in ballot measure states. Um, but we in California are used to seeing dozens of ballot measures on our ballot every yeah. election. We're sort of unique. Most other ballot measure states see one or two questions a year. And so part of what we're able to do is help advocates in those states where this is not a regular run of the mill thing, access that tool of direct democracy and wield it in the way that can have the biggest impact. And we've also seen because California has so many ballot measures, it become this like contest of who can spend more money to put, you know, misinformation laden ads um, right up until the very last minute to to change the outcome, to confuse voters, which, of course, is a risk in some of these other states as well. I mean, all of the risks associated with participating in democracy in any form are also present in participating in ballot measures. There's no silver bullet that makes it a clean and easy process to make major change. So the same tactics that we see in candidate politics of disinformation and, and large spending on both sides, we do see in the ballot measure space. You saw all of the coverage out of Kansas last week of exceedingly misleading texts being sent to voters saying that a yes vote was the way to protect reproductive rights when in wow. fact the opposite was true. And that was funded by, you know, a, a firm owned and affiliated with Republican lawmakers. And so that type of underhanded misinformation can and does happen. Um, it's part of why it's so important to have a marriage in these efforts between the incredible community organizing and grassroots organizing and, you know, really well-funded campaigns of, of paid communication so that the, the truth can be, can come out and can be the thing that prevails. And I'm so glad that that is what happened uh, in Kansas, that marriage between strong on the ground community organizing and a really well-funded paid communications campaign. And, and that's really the beauty of what ballot measures allow is, is the both and approach to politicking. And, and even in California, that's possible, but especially in smaller states, Midwestern states, red states, um, where it's not um, as huge of a media monstrosity as trying to communicate in California, it is possible to run those really comprehensive campaigns. Give out a website, Kelly, for the Fairness Project. 
It is thefairnessproject.org. I will post a link to that from our website. Thank you so much for joining us and good luck to you. Thank you so much, Sonali. My guest has been Kelly Hall. She is the executive director of The Fairness Project. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.